Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. I'm very happy to have Carrie Schulte on Joint Effort. Today we're going to be talking about total shoulder replacement and some other unique uh, uh, things like reverse total shoulder replacement. First of all, I'd like to talk a little bit about, Carrie, about you growing up. I know you grew up near me. I grew up in Mount Vernon. You grew up in Cedar Rapids, right? That is correct. And uh, we've taken some golf trips before and things like that. And I had an opportunity to meet one of your brothers, Dwayne. Correct. But you have like 15 brothers or something, right? I came from a family of nine kids, six boys, three girls. And what was it like kind of running around the neighborhood? And uh, Well, we always had our own basketball game, usually our own <laughs> football game. We could throw in the neighborhood kids, but if they weren't there, we didn't need them. And where were you in the lineup? Uh, I was sixth out of the nine kids. Okay. So do you get picked on a lot by the brothers? or? Uh, yeah, I got picked on by the older brothers. but uh, Was it formative for you? <laughs> it was formative for me. Good. Uh, I was... I am not easily intimidated. <laughs> I, bet, I bet. I bet. And I know that you um, now, in addition to your um, orthopedic duties, you also help out with Dowling Catholic uh, for sports injuries and things like that. Correct. I've been doing sideline coverage for Dowling football for 15 years now. Okay. Can you tell me um, kind of what, what that's like for an orthopedic surgeon? What's it like for you? I mean, obviously you're on the sidelines. Um, how much communication do you have with trainers and you know, the coaches and things like that. Well, we have a very good relationship with uh, with the coaches and trainers at Dowling. They know that they can get a hold of me at any time, and I will help uh, facilitate getting their uh, kids seen for anything. Even if it's not in my area of expertise, I can uh, set them up with someone else in our group that does take care of that specific injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun covering the games. It's fun and work. I mean, you have to you have to be in the game and watching to see what who got injured what the mechanism of injury was you have to be ready to run out and determine whether or not the the person should be playing or needs to come out and mm-hmm. uh, how serious the injury is uh, but it's been a great opportunity to watch some fantastic uh, athletes playing 4A football at, uh, is Dowling pretty good at football you know they've done okay okay uh, well, there's always next year I guess or so, hopefully there's next year so during my uh time covering high school athletics in the state of Iowa. Uh, I also, when my my brother Dwayne is head coach of Cedar Rapids Xavier, uh, so during my time covering uh, Dowling and then covering Xavier during the playoff games, I've been on the sidelines for 11 state championships. Wow. So. And uh, you think you're directly attributable to like all the success or how much <laughs> would you say their success is dependent on your interventions 50 percent or i say what uh, wilson say i would say that usually my best years as a team physician are the years that i do absolutely nothing yeah exactly because that means that no one got injured and all the best players are out there right. playing right good uh you did a sports fellowship in pittsburgh right that's correct uh what kind of like what's your best recollections of um uh, you know, what, what do you recall from your time in <coughs> Pittsburgh doing your fellowship? Uh, some of the interesting things, again, I covered during my sports fellowship, I was uh, covering the football team. And uh, when I was out there was during the second time period of Johnny Major's time at Pitt. Uh, he won a national championship, I believe, in 1977, then went to the University of Tennessee. Uh, I believe he had a heart attack and then... Uh, uh, Phil Fulmer sort of uh, 
nudged him out while he was in the hospital and <laughs> took <laughs> took over the team. And then he came back. He's like, hey, wait a minute, where'd my team go? So he sort of had to shuffle back to Pitt, and that was sort of at the tail end of his career. Okay. He didn't have as much success there. But uh, uh, the and the other uh, fun thing I saw during that fellowship, uh, my the year I was there, Curtis Martin was the tailback uh, for the University of Pittsburgh. And Curtis Martin, uh, the first game that I saw there, they played Texas, and he had 275 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. And... I thought this was the most amazing athlete I've ever seen. There's no way he's not going to win the Heisman. And then week two in the first quarter, he sprained his ankle and just shut it down for the year. Mm. And we weren't sure, you know, if he was pretty soft, if he wasn't able to continue playing. And and uh, he proved everyone wrong by going pro and uh, being a 1,000-yard rusher for the first 10 years of his career. Wow. And I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure he's in the Hall of Fame now. Hmm. Well, today we're, uh, you know hip and knee arthritis is pretty common we see that a ton um they're weight-bearing joints people wear them out just like tires on a car shoulder arthritis isn't quite as obvious to a lot of people and not quite as intuitive can you tell me a little bit about shoulder arthritis and who might get it and kind of what it would look like you know who what kind of patient we're talking about here well as you said you know the shoulder is a weight-bearing joint but we don't walk around on our hands all day so so wear and tear arthritis is less common uh, but arthritis is, as you know, is multifactorial. There's probably a genetic component. It can happen after trauma. Uh, people that have had prior dislocations have a little higher risk of arthritis. Uh, but it can happen to anyone or everyone, you know, sometimes for reasons that just aren't clear. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the typical age that you might see somebody with, uh, you know, pretty significant arthritis in the shoulder? Well, you could see it as young as the as young as in their late 40s or early 50s uh, but you know it, if they had a shoulder multiply dislocate that sort of thing yeah yes okay. uh, that would be more common uh, but you know sometimes it'll happen again for no reason but uh, like all forms of arthritis typically it, the numbers increase as we age okay uh, what are the symptoms um, you know so somebody might there are a lot of different shoulder problems. What are some symptoms that are maybe more specific or maybe they aren't specific for arthritis of the shoulder? Well, specific for arthritis, uh, I mean, most patients' primary complaint is pain, and then limited range of motion, possibly weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that I'm a, I don't know, six-year-old person and I have... Uh, You're a 60-year-old person. <laughs> I'm losing sleep and I have decreased range of motion um, pain throughout the day, pain with activities. Um, do I need x-rays or MRI, or how do you diagnose something? Uh, well, the first step would be a physical exam, uh, determine wh- how your motion and strength are, uh, see where the location of the pain is. The next step would be getting x-rays, and usually if, they're, I mean, if there's significant arthritis, uh, we can see that on x-ray as the, the joint space narrows. Normally so you- there's a space between the ball and socket where the cartilage is uh, as... Uh, our, one of the docs I worked with at Iowa, his line was always that the ends of the bone are covered with cartilage, which is like the white shiny stuff on the end of a chicken bone. And cartilage doesn't show up on x-ray because it doesn't contain calcium, but it shows up as a space. And in arthritis, that space is gone. Yes. So, I think word for word I've heard that before from maybe you or, or me. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
but we say that so often because we're always describing the x-rays mm -hmm. on the computer for our patients. Mm -hmm. Do you use the chicken bone talk? Uh, the knuckle on a chicken bone. Oh, yeah. very yeah, good. I, I have used that before. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think you can trademark that one. Okay. Um, so no MRI is needed all the time. Sometimes for some problems it is, but not for arthritis a lot of times. We can figure that out. Correct. What are my options then if I, once we've diagnosed that my shoulder, my ball and socket, uh, the end of my bone, chicken bone is wearing off, um, I'm getting stiffness and pain. What are my options non-surgically or surgically at that point in time? Well, in general, the options are, number one, putting up with it. Number two, taking pain medicine like ibuprofen or Aleve or Tylenol. Number three would be cortisone injections in the joint. Cortisones are a steroid that reduces your body's inflammatory response to the wear and tear arthritis uh, and can give you longer-lasting relief even for several months. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then the final step is doing shoulder replacement. Okay. What do, what do you think about, um, we have a active orthobiologics program here, or it's like, it's not stem cells, but that's what people call them as stem mm -hmm. cells, but they're cells that the body creates that can change into cartilage or mm -hmm. things like that, modulate some inflammation. What do you think about the role of that in patients like this? I have not seen much on the use of that. Evidence-wise? Uh, Evidence-wise mm -hmm. in, the, in the shoulder. Okay. Um, so that would be kind of a experimental use in your practice. If somebody came in and wanted to do it, you'd say, sure, but Correct. we don't recommend it typically. Correct. It's not something I typically okay. recommend because I have not seen data that would support it at this time. What if somebody um, has pretty bad arthritis and they want to, you know, do construction work, carry stuff up and down ladders, four by eight sheets of plywood? What do you counsel them about activity level when your shoulder is wearing out? Uh, well, Typically, I would tell them that they can do whatever they can do within the limits of their symptoms. Uh, normal daily activities and work activities aren't necessarily going to accelerate the the wear and tear arthritis. It just may make it more symptomatic. Okay, so one treatment option would be like just changing your activities, and if I mean if it hurts, don't do it. That sort of thing. Correct. Tell me about uh, what you're actually replacing and how you get the fixation. I mean, you're putting it's a the ball and socket joint is a pretty flat socket and a ball. And it's held together with the um, rotator cuff. But what are you actually replacing in a shoulder replacement? So with the shoulder replacement, the the ball is the upper part of the arm bone or the humerus, and the socket is uh, part of the shoulder blade. So we shave off the ball and replace that with a metal ball with a stem that goes into the arm and a plastic socket that's cemented into the patient's socket. Okay, and so the fixation, the plastic's cemented to the bone of the socket and then on the on the arm bone side you're putting a ball that's got a stem on it do you use cement on that side typically no uh, the stem is coated uh, with material that the bone essentially grows to the stem okay how do you get the right size for a person well they're uh, different sizes the the components come in different sizes so it's sort of fit to the patient size um so you can like mix and match to make it look I mean like my shoulder is going to be a different size than a woman's shoulder so you could correct I mean, presumably <laughs> but uh, so you can mix and match that okay um, so fixation we talked about age limits is there like a minimum age or not really for this sort of thing or a maximum age uh, there is not a minimum or a maximum age I mean there are I've had occasion in patients that have had traumatic problems where the shoulder was so beaten up that there was really no option other than to do a shoulder replacement, even at a very young age, even in the 30s. Mm. And, you know, 
have done shoulder replacements to patients even in their 90s. Okay. Obviously, there are patients in their 90s that are 90 going on 70, and then there are 60-year-olds going on 90. Yeah. So it's more a matter of what their health and and activity demands are. What is... um you know, typically, what's is this a hospital procedure? Is this an outpatient procedure? Um, what's that like? How long does it take? Well, the the surgery itself takes about an hour. Uh, uh, the procedure can be done as an outpatient or inpatient, depending upon the patient's health. Um, most most of the time now, for anesthesia, we also have the anesthesiologist do a a block where they inject. Uh, numbing medicine around the nerves going to the arm so that the arm is essentially numb for mm-hmm. the first you know, 10 to 12 hours after surgery. And that makes it uh, much easier for the patient to have it done as an outpatient procedure. Okay. So can you describe like where the incision is and what the length of the incision is? So the incision is about a, oh, maybe two, three inch long incision over the uh, front of the shoulder. Okay. Um, afterwards, you know, I get a lot of patients who ask me what it's going to be like afterwards. What do you tell them for how long they need to really protect it in a sling or something like that, and what the physical therapy would be like, and then when they can get back to, you know, normal golf and things like that. Well, typically I tell folks, or typically I have uh, patients in a sling for uh, two to four weeks after surgery. Uh, at two weeks, we see them back in the office and start physical therapy, working on uh, motion. We restrict some of their motion uh, just to protect some of the muscles that we have to go through uh, during the procedure. Uh, so restrict their motion for about six weeks, uh, but but working on their motion in the planes that are allowed. With a therapist. With a physical therapist. Uh, and then after six weeks, we start strengthening exercises. So typically it takes about six weeks to get back to 80% of normal, about three months to get back to full speed. Okay, so they could golf at three months or four months or something like that? Correct. What do you counsel people if you're doing this and they're maybe a laborer? Can they go back to swinging a hammer or carrying plywood up a ladder and stuff like that? Typically the the only thing I, a lot of people will have shoulder replacements and say, well the doctor said I'm limited to 20 pounds lifting. Personally I don't limit the amount of weight that they lift. Uh, I just don't want them to do the heavy pounding, you know, bust, mm-hmm. busting up concrete, chopping wood, okay. driving fence posts, things like that because the same force that's transmitted to the to the fence post is being transmitted back to the shoulder. And if, sure. you're, if you wanted to knock it loose, that'd be a good way to do it. Sure. Um, let's say that everything goes great, and uh, which I'm sure it does. And uh, what do we expect for a longe- longevity for how long are these things going to last a person? And if it doesn't last, what is it that's come loose or worn out, or why did it stop working? Well, 90-plus percent will last uh, the patient's entire lifetime. Um, and again, the shoulder has the advantage over hip and knee replacement in that, again, we aren't walking around on our hands all day, so it doesn't go through the same loads mm-hmm. that hip and knee replacement do. Um, so most will last the patient's entire lifetime. Uh, sometimes uh, the, the socket may wear out or become loose over time. <laughs> Probably the biggest risk long term is, I mean, you can replace the joint surfaces, but patient still has a rotator cuff that can tear uh, and so the problem is not that the shoulder wore out but that the rotator cuff tore and and that can result in pain for a small number of patients down the road. Well that was an amazing segue to our next topic which is about the rotator cuff and what happens when the rotator cuff tears but can't be fixed or isn't fixed. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about the ball and socket joint wearing out, um, the cartilage wearing down. 
Now, the rotator cuff are the four muscles that surround the uh, humeral head and help with the internal and external rotation and elevation, and they're very important for stability of the shoulder. What happens, can you tell me about the biomechanics or what's happening to a patient if the rotator cuff is not working and it can't be fixed, what can happen to the joint? Well, again, as you said, the rotator cuff is a group of four muscles essentially running from the shoulder blade to the upper part of the arm. Those muscles circle the ball and hold the ball into the socket. And sometimes, about 50% of the time after an injury, you fall and sort of jam the shoulder, and that can cause the tendon to tear. And sometimes the tendon can tear just from wear and tear over time. Typically when the tendon tears, it tears away from where it attaches to the bone, and the muscle continues to fire, and that pulls the tendon away from the bone so it can't jump the gap and heal back over there. So once it's torn, it won't heal on its own. Uh, now, as the, over time, tears that are not repaired get bigger and bigger, and eventually the, the tear, it, if, if it's not treated, will become so big that it's not repairable because the tissue will scar down and shrivel up, and it's and it's not repairable. So if the tear is not repairable, if, depending on what rotator cuff muscle it is, it will throw the balance of the shoulder off too and cause premature wearing of the ball and socket, right? Correct. So you can, it can really cause a problem where we have uh, no muscles to drive the arm and also our shoulder now has bone spurs and it's missing cartilage and things like that, which is probably one of the harder things that we treat in shoulder problems is that combination. So in addition to things like um, injections and you know trying to strengthen the remaining rotator cuff muscles, can you tell us about surgical management in your hands of somebody who has that terrible problem of uh, rotator cuff that doesn't work um, and, and or the um, ball and socket are wearing out? Well, the, the salvage procedure in that case is to do something called a reverse total shoulder replacement. With the reverse total shoulder replacement, we actually attach a metal ball to the socket uh, and a plastic cup on the stem that goes into the arm. So that's the reverse part. Is instead of a ball on the arm, you've got a socket on the arm. Correct. And instead of a socket on the socket, you've got a ball on the socket. Correct. And then that locks. That sounds crazy. Why would you do such a thing? Well, because that locks the ball into the socket, and then that puts the deltoid muscle on tension, so that the deltoid muscle is able to mechanically raise the arm. Uh, it gives you the range of motion and strength. Uh, that sort of counteracts the missing rotator cuff muscles. So the big deltoid muscle on the side of our arm is able to compensate for those missing rotator cuff muscles. Correct. And for you, is it a pretty similar procedure, you know, c compared to a total shoulder replacement? Uh, it is, yes. Okay. Are complication rates similar in that compared to total shoulder replacement or uh, things that could go wrong? Yeah, well, the things that can go wrong with a reverse shoulder replacement, there's a little higher risk of uh, problems with instability, again, without the rotator cuff holding it in place, there's a less than 1% chance of the shoulder dislocating, and usually that's a treatable problem either by just reducing it back in place or going in and putting in larger components to make it more stable. Uh, but, uh, again, other than the wear and tear and loosening just over time, you know, that's the, the only thing that yeah. would be a little more common with a reverse shoulder replacement. So this is um, something that's relatively new. Uh, when did it come into your practice as a good salvage option for these problems? Well, I, I want to say that it was originally started in Europe, I believe France, in the uh, early 2000s. Uh, some of the early designs had flaws, which made them fail very rapidly. Unfortunately, I didn't jump in at that time, but after they 
second wave after they figured out the first round of problems. Uh, but I've been doing reverse shoulder replacement since 2005. Yeah, so you were a pretty early adopter. That's very, good. Very yeah. early adopter. Um, prior to that, there weren't a lot of options. You could just re redo part of the joint and kind of hope for the best. And Correct. Prior to that, the salvage procedure was to do what's called the hemiarthroplasty, where we just shave off the ball and just put in a metal ball with the stem going into the arm and not do anything on the socket side. Now, that usually improved the pain but did not eliminate it, and it typically did not improve the motion at all. So, so it was uh, just not as... Yeah, reverse shoulder replacement has been a big benefit for... I mean, and I'm amazed with how many people I see with this problem, too. So, mm -hmm. um, I guess the moral of that story is if you do have a rotator cuff tear, or you think you do, uh, maybe get evaluated so you don't end up having a rotator cuff tear that can't be fixed and have to have a reverse shoulder replacement. Um, well, we've come to the point in the show where it's now the speed round, and your answers will be worth double what they were before. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. What is your go-to meal when you cook for your wife and kids? Uh, typically, that would be takeout or... Wrong answer. <laughs> what, what, do you not cook? I don't cook. Okay, next one. Favorite pro football team? Uh, Minnesota Vikings and the New England Patriots. All right, that's a hedge there and a bandwagon. So um, how about how many good push-ups can you do in a row? Uh, like perfect form, military push-ups. I, I don't know. Come on. You haven't done that lately? Have not done that lately. Okay. Um, and then how about the last one? If you could go take all your kids, and if you wanted to, the kids are significant others. Do you have three kids? I have three kids. Uh, and your wife, and you wanted to go somewhere for a month for a vacation, where would you take them? Don't uh, worry about the money. It would just be whatever. Uh, probably to back to Kiowa Island, South Carolina. Okay. And what would you guys do there? Just uh, relax? Golf, relax, hang out at the beach, do a little surfing. Awesome. Well, that sounds good. Thanks for coming in for, to our show. I appreciate all your knowledge, and I, I, uh, I think we're going to learn a lot from this. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.